0: And welcome back. Today is episode number 10. It is the JKR Podcast and my name is Jace Rigling. I'm the host. It is the second edition of the Top Prospects series presented by S&K Designer LaGrange. Today we've got Arizona Diamondback 2019 first round pick Dre Jamison. Starting pitcher, drafted as a sophomore out of Ball State. Met him a little bit before the draft in 2019. Did a project for an agent. Told you guys a little bit about that last week. Another great dude, along with Ryan Pepio, who I interviewed last week. But today, we talk a little bit about his time at Ball State, draft day, uh, spring training, so like getting sent home last year for COVID, coming back, his first full spring training this year, his agent selection process, and a little bit about his passions off the field, so like shoes, cars. He's a big shoe and car guy. Um, we'll get into it right after a word from our sponsor. All right, we've got 2019 first-round pick to the Arizona Diamondbacks, Dre Jamison on the show today. Dre, how are you doing? I'm doing pretty good. How are you? I'm doing all right. So uh, today I just want to talk a little bit about your time at Ball State, a little bit about draft day, of course, your time with the Diamondbacks so far. Um, if you're all right with that, I want to talk a little bit about um, just the agent process as well. Nothing, like, super personal, but just a few, like, um, black and blue questions, stuff like that okay So let's get it, so let's get into it. Um, so you you're from Greenfield, correct? Yes. I'm not sure how far away that is from Ball State, but I'm pretty sure it's pretty close right? Yeah, it's about 40 45 minutes. Okay, so what was the positive to staying so close to home?
1: Um, well first is kind of knowing the area and if something were to happen at home, you know it's not difficult to get home. Also, just like you know, family and friends being able to come while I'm in college and and watching and not be a hassle of you know five six hour drives and that kind of stuff. So that was a bit, that was a big
0: plus. Yeah. So, what were some of the other schools in the process in the recruiting process?
1: Um, I can't I can't remember them all, but I mean, just like your surrounding schools, Butler, um, IU, at some far away, Texas A&M, Washington State, um, Mizzou. Um, Penn State, I can't, I can't remember them all off the top of my yes. head. But. Yeah, were there
0: any ones that were close to being a choice for you? Um, yeah, Mizzou
1: was definitely one that I was interested in. Um, to be honest, I didn't have the grades to get on Notre Dame, so I didn't even,
0: yeah, mess around
1: with that that whole gig. Um, but Ball State was kind of like my choice after I got the offer, um, knowing I wouldn't have to pay for schooling. And uh, if IU would have given me any percent um, instead of a preferred walk walk on, I would have probably considered it a little more than what I did.
0: Yeah. So, what was that recruiting process like? So, when did schools start reaching out to you? Um, I would say I was a late bloomer, so
1: um, I didn't really start hearing anything from college until like the start of my junior year after my sophomore summer. Um, nothing, nothing serious at all, and then just I went to the PV or. I think it was like, I forget what it was. The PBR. Um, There's a little PBR showcase. Yeah. Um, I went to that and then I got invited to the super 60 and then that's when stuff really started, started going with it. And um, it's when school started contacting and then, so, I mean, it, it was a fun process and all that, but um, I kind of already had my mindset after I got the offer from ball state where I was going yeah, just was taking my time to realize you know
0: do I really want to do this and all that yeah what was the biggest development you had at Ball State for your the two seasons you were there um
1: becoming an actual pitcher you know like when I when I've got <clears throat> when I first got to Ball State I was coming out of high school more as a position player than I was a pitcher um and developing into an actual pitcher yeah i could throw strikes here and there but actually understanding the game as a pitcher um was my biggest development and still is my biggest development now um you know anyone can go out there and throw hard anyone can you know it doesn't really matter but understanding what pitches you need to throw and locate those pitches where they need to be at a certain time is is part of pitching and not just throwing hard you know you throw hard and you can't hit zone and you can't spot it up where you need to put it, then that Velo really doesn't mean much at this level because you you see it everywhere. It's, it's not rare, you know? So, um, just, just the development of actually becoming a pitcher and not a thrower. I always say, you know, I used to be a thrower. Now I'm developing into an actual pitcher. I would say that's my
0: biggest development since I got to college and then, moving forward to pro Bowl, Yeah. So were a lot of those other schools recruiting you as a PO or were they wanting you as a a position player? Uh,
1: all the schools that I got contacted out of high school, it was a
0: two way, two way job. So I'd have played outfield and pitched. Yeah. So what was that biggest difference? Because you were a two way, your freshman year, right. And then just a pitcher your sophomore year.
1: Yeah. So obviously, um, if you go back and look at stats, I couldn't hit the ball at all. Um, going from high school to college it in it wasn't a major jump honestly like you had guys that were you know your Friday guys in high school that were in college and um, it I just couldn't make contact with the ball and when I did it was it was an out it was it was soft contact and I just was struggling at the plate so you know mid-season I went to coach Maloney I said hey coach you know like I see myself more as a pitcher later on in my future with baseball. I kind of want to just focus on that because during our practices, it was like, I was a position player. And then it was like, Hey, Dre, it's your bullpen. day. Come throw a bullpen. I threw my bullpen and then I went and took BP and it was like, my main focus was position player. And when I, I noticed like during season, I was like, coach, like, I'm not going to keep hitting like this. There's no way I'm getting drafted as an outfielder." Yeah. You know? yeah. And yeah, that's when my velo started jumping like even more as a position or as a uh, pitcher. So I was like, you know, I, I see myself more as, as a pitcher later on in my career. So let's, let's dial it in as a pitcher and not necessarily a position player and then see what happens with my game now, because even my freshman year, like the beginning of the year when I was struggling at the plate, I was struggling pitching too. So it was, it was two roads that I wasn't being, you know, very successful at. So, um, I dialed it in on the pitching later on in my freshman year, and then the outcome was a lot better than what it would have been if it, I'd have been on that road at the beginning of my freshman year. And then sophomore year, obviously, I I was a PO, and then I ran bases.
0: Yeah. So you weren't you weren't even uh, playing uh, the field at the end of your freshman year. No, I mean no. Okay, and you said your velo jumps because of that because you're focusing more on pitching.
1: No, I just, I I noticed my Velo jumping, like, as I was progressing through the season and that kind of stuff, and just, you know, getting stronger and learning, you know, mechanics and that kind of stuff. I, I just saw it jumping, so it was like, you know, if my Velo keeps, you know, jumping and I start locating my fastball and commanding all my pitches, then I have a way better chance at, you know, making a pro team and making my dream come true as a pitcher rather than an outfielder that's average.
0: Yeah, so what were those velo jumps from, like, your senior year of high school to your freshman and sophomore year at Ball State?
1: Yeah, so my my senior year of high school, I think I sat, like, 90, 92, maybe. Um, got up to 94. Then my freshman year of college, I was, like, a 94, 96 guy, touched 100 in the MAC tournament. Um, my sophomore year, I was, like... like four to six four to seven still but would touch a lot of eights i was there were games like i would open up my sophomore year and sit in 97 99 um those hard innings but like overall it was probably like a five to seven five to eight kind of guy my sophomore year touching 100 a lot i think i touched it like four times my sophomore year yeah um and then now like it's it's jumped tremendously um I mean, I'm sitting anywhere from 97 to 99, 97, 98. Throw a couple pitches at 96. But realistically, uh, if my my average velo is like 97, 98. Um, but I'm not throwing, you know, a lot of innings. Like today, I threw three innings. I haven't seen the VLO chart. But right now, it doesn't really matter about the velo chart. It's, I was commanding my pitches, and that's the biggest thing. Yeah. Uh, and results. The result, so, what- so.
0: So what was today's game like? You said you pitched three innings.
1: Three innings. I um, had a pitch count of forty-five. Um, I got That's through three innings through forty-five pitches, um, and, and commanded it with most of my pitches. Um, I throw a sinker now, and that that was working. So um, yeah, it was a good day today.
0: Yeah. And who was it, Who were you playing? The Rockies. Okay. And was was that at home or was that at their that training was, facility? It's basically home, but it's their facility, their side of the facility. Oh, yeah, I forgot. I forgot that you guys uh, split. Is that Salt River or is yep. that somewhere else? Salt River. Salt River. All right. Yeah, Um. so let's get a little bit back into your college career a little bit. Um. So most guys, they get drafted after junior year, but you were a sophomore eligible player to be drafted. Do you think that gave you any type of an advantage?
1: advantage? Um, you know what? I, I, you would think it would, but I don't necessarily – think it gave me an advantage it did and it didn't just in a way of yeah i had one more like i had two more years of eligibility afterwards but if i would have held off my sophomore year then i would have been older my junior year and you don't want to be old coming into a draft um so i think it kind of just panned out for itself they they drafted me as a sophomore but looked at me as a junior um
0: yeah just because your your age is that what makes you eligible
1: my age so um it goes hand in hand. I mean, I took a discount. Um, and then when I got here, fell a little more, but, um, still at the end of the day, like the money's great, but at the end of the day, it's, it's better just being able to come out and continue my career with baseball. So,
0: yeah. Um, so ball state had a few guys drafted uh, the year after you as well. Right. So that, that those ball state teams you were on were pretty competitive. Yes. Um, well, with
1: me, John Baker got drafted with me. Um, I forget which round. Um, and then the year after, Kyle Nicholas got picked up. I think the second-round compensation or third-round compensation, I forget, pretty high pick. Um, and in my opinion, he should have been drafted higher. I mean, he's a workhorse. He's, he's like 6'4", six, 6'5", six, 200. He's a, you know, he's a tank and throws yeah. it 100. He's legit. So... um But I thought he should have got drafted higher, but he still made what he needed to make, and he gets to continue
0: his career as well, so. Yeah, I mean, that was a deadly one-two punch, though, for your sophomore year. And was he he in your class, or was he also a sophomore? No, he was in my class. He was a junior. Okay, all right. Um, But I see a lot of weight room weight room videos of you guys and I saw you hit 500 pound deadlift yeah I mean that's crazy for your guy your size what are you like 175 180 yeah
1: right now I'm like 173 but I was 175 yeah. I can my legs aren't very big man but like I always tell people when they say something about my legs meet me in the weight room on leg day
0: yeah so what pushes you so hard in that training man
1: um you know I you gotta gain weight and you gotta be strong to be durable through the whole season you know and if you're brittle and, and soft, and you're, you're you know you you might be good for 50 innings, but it's gonna wear down your body. So uh, yeah. being strong and being able to you know make those jumps when it comes late in that season is huge at at that point. And if you're not strong, then yeah. your body might break down and you can get hurt. Also, I think that's another yes. reason why my velo is jumping is because my lower half is I mean it's tremendously strong right now, and
0: um, and I keep working at it. Yeah. So what are some of the, are there any other like big milestones you've
1: hit in the weight room? Um, I mean, I mean, not really just like little stuff. Like I think I, right now, like they do the G force plates and it's to see how much force you push down into the plates. Um, and Madison Bumgarner is the only one in our org that has a higher force plate that is pulling, basically pulling down into the ground than me. Um, and I'm one of the smallest guys in the org, so it's kind of a kind of a thing where people are like, "Yeah, you know, how the hell do you do this?" Like, yeah. And it's like only Madison Bumgarner's got a higher one, and it's not by much. So when I do it next time, I'm going for him. I, I want to be the number yeah. one guy.
0: Yeah. So I, I assume you guys don't do bench and stuff like that, correct?
1: No, I do a single arm dumbbell bench, um, but that's that's not bench at all. So
0: yeah. So what's like the what's the little like training um, repertoire you guys work on throughout the week? Um, I'm a full body lift guy, so like I throw like today I
1: threw and I just go and I do arm care and then condition and then tomorrow morning I'll I'll lift full body um, and that's my deadlift and all that kind of stuff. So um, okay, and then I throw my pen the following day and then Ooh. I lift on my pen day, more of a mobility lift, um, basically a maintaining lift. Uh, nothing crazy, no high intensity kind of stuff, condition, and then an off day. But I still get the arm work, like moving, and then game the
0: following day. Yeah, so you're you're pitching about one time. To- I don't know how um, that's working right now, since the minor league system, uh, the minor league season hasn't started yet. So, like, what's like what's the overall um, morale on um, the training facility right now? So, like, what's going on um, every day, every week?
1: Yeah, I mean, we show up every day and. So we do our throwing program and then there's a game every day. Um, and basically you know I, for my day consists of you know I get to the field, I go in the weight room, I stretch, do all my pre pre-work, you know, and then I go out do throwing program. Usually we have a team defense um, and we'll work on bunts, um, something like team team related with pitchers involved. and then after that we go in, um, and we do our conditioning, and then that's it for the day. So,
0: so is it basically like instructional league? I mean,
1: yeah, it could it could fall in place of the instructional league for sure. Yeah,
0: yeah. So, have they told you where you're going to end up um, to start the season?
1: Yeah, so I'll be in Hillsboro as as of now. Um, nothing's guaranteed, but in my meeting, it
0: was I'll start in Hillsboro. Yeah, and you said they moved up to Advanced A, correct? Exactly. High A. Yeah. Okay. So what type of teams will you guys be playing? Cause I'm still trying to learn this restructured my league system. <laughs> to be
1: honest, I have no clue. I just okay. show up and throw once every five days.
0: Okay. And what ta- is that Albuquerque or no? What town is that? Uh, Hillsboro. Hillsboro. Okay. So um, you pitched in Hillsborough in 2019 at the end of the season, right? Yeah. Short season. Yeah. So what was, uh, what was the town like? Did you enjoy it? Yeah. Hillsborough is um, great. It's, you know,
1: fan base is really good. Um, and, and, I think it's like the only baseball team in, in Oregon. So like everyone around there, they just love it. They, everyone comes to the game. It's usually sold out every game. I don't know how that's going to work now with COVID, but I mean, the fans are great. And, um, I don't think we're doing host families this year, but if we, if we were, the host families are great as well. And,
0: um, yeah. It'll, well, it'll I know, great. Yeah. I know Eugene, that's Eugene Emeralds. They were in Oregon, but, um, they it's a little farther, not, yeah. It's like two and a half hours. Um, yeah, I know they're not part of the minor league restructure. I think they're independent ball now. But um, so, what was your major at Ball State? I was a physical education. Okay, so were you wanting to get into teaching? Yes, yeah, so I wanted to
1: teach, and then because that was my favorite, like obviously favorite class, and growing up in school. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I wanted to be a physical education teacher and then be able to
0: coach. Okay baseball or were there you a, know I, you played football in high um, school right yeah
1: i played football for two years in high school um it was either baseball or basketball i mean i love the sport of basketball and um yeah either one of those two sports
0: i would have been a, i wanted to be a coach eh? yeah so you were a three-sport athlete for two years yep okay so you played basketball throughout your whole life life to yep. lifetime yep. okay all right so let's talk a little bit about the draft. Um, Going into the draft, you're projected day one, day two guy. Ended up being first-round pick. Um, what was that week like going into the draft? Um,
1: you know, it, was, it wasn't it was necessarily hectic just because um, I never really just expect anything. Um, and I knew that I was going to get a chance either way. Um, so it, it was just the fact of, like, where am I going to get picked? And at, the, at that point, like, my agent and what I've heard from other scouts and that kind of stuff, it was like, you know, you're either going to fall, like, later in the first round um, or early second, and so I, I kind of had an idea of where I was going to fall, so on draft night, it was it was the most, like, ah, where am I going to go, you know, it's, my nerves were going, I was all, like, where am I going to fall, Um and it got later in the round, and I was, I was like, man, am I going to get picked, like, in the first, because I wanted to be a first rounder, because growing up, everyone said i won't i wouldn't be a first rounder because i'm too small and uh, i'm all about proving people wrong and and i'll tell you size size doesn't matter that's a bunch of bullshit if anyone says it does um, yeah because at the end of the day if you're a grinder and you compete and you're in your stuff's good it shouldn't matter what your size is because you you, you can't you can't teach competitive fire you, you can't like if someone doesn't have it they they just don't have it and they playing itself it won't make it far in life if you're not competitive because
0: of course there's always someone
1: out there that's trying to be better and if you're not competitive then you're not going to be better and you'll be satisfied when you're just when when you succeed once then you might be satisfied well you gotta fail to succeed and you know with those people that get satisfied at succeeding one time when they fail they won't know what the hell to do so um it's just I'm kind of getting off topic. I kind of forget.
0: Oh, no, go ahead. I mean, it's great content, but, but, um,
1: yeah, you know, it's just,
0: yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, you, you're, you, like you said earlier, you're 175, and you're almost touching triple digits. I mean, you can't teach that. Plus, I mean, just your, your fire, everything like that, everything I've seen from you before, but, um, can you take me through that, that phone call? Who was it? The was it a guy with the Diamondbacks organization, or was it your agent that told you you were getting drafted?
1: Yeah, so my agent was with me on draft night. Um, and, and we got the call and basically said, Hey, you, at first it was a 33rd pick. Um, and so then they had that long commercial break. I was like, cool. we weren't going to tell like my family that was there. We were just going to let them hear it on the TV. And, um, then we got a call back saying, Hey, we're gonna take Brennan Malone thirty third, you're going thirty fourth and we were like, All right, cool, you know, it's just one pick, oh well. And then um yeah, when when we got that call, it was it was definitely um a moment that was would never be forgotten. And uh, Yeah. Now it just needs to be replaced with a call of, Hey, you're going to the big leagues. So that's yeah. the call I'm waiting
0: on yeah. now. Yeah. So you said your agent was there, of course your family, but was there anyone else there with you?
1: Yeah. So, um, my girlfriend at the time we were at her house and her family. And then I had a couple friends, um, and then my, and then my brother or and then, and okay. then my, uh, my family.
0: Okay. okay. So what were the days like after the draft? So how long was it before you were in Arizona signing that contract? Um, it was about a week. I had a
1: week. And then I got on a plane, came out here. And then I sat here for a little while before I actually signed, um, because they were going through some stuff um paperwork that kind of stuff um so it was a week i was at home after and then then i came out here to arizona
0: okay so how long was it before you were on the field after you signed the contract um
1: i couldn't tell you the exact day but i would i would say i sat out here in arizona for about a week and a half and then um i got to work out a little bit of stuff never really played in a game in the arizona league um And then I threw, I think I threw one bullpen, and then I got shipped off to Hillsboro. Then I had to throw a couple bullpens there, and then I got to throw in a game. And I think I only threw, like, 11 innings out there, so it was a lot of sitting, a lot of starts with one inning, which is brutal as a starter. Like, you know, my my first inning's really like, hey, I'm going to get going here, and then it's like everything falls in place after that. So it was a struggle, Um, just throwing one inning when I know I could have thrown more, but I already threw like 97 innings in college that year, so they were keeping innings down. Yeah, yeah. So were you on a were you on a certain pitch
0: count there in Yeah, I had, I had one inning,
1: 20 pitches for three outings, and then I got up to two innings, um, like 35 pitches, I think, and okay. then I think I ended on one three, one three inning, and that was it.
0: Okay. So what was that, what was that surreal moment um, throughout this entire process that you're like, man, like I'm, I'm playing professionally. Um,
1: I mean, just knowing that I don't have anything else to do rather than play baseball and, and work on my craft, um, which is a good feeling because at that point, that's how these guys really dive into their full potential. And, um, I think that's what's helped me a lot too, is, you know, not having to, Worry about schoolwork or a job or that kind of stuff. It's it's, it's baseball only, and I can put a hundred percent into my craft to make it to the big leagues
0: and, and compete for a World Series. Yeah. So what was that big? Pre- what was that big difference in preparation for you going from that Friday night starter, you knew you're starting Friday night to starting every fifth day?
1: Um, it's a lot of shorter stints, you know, like. I was throwing every once every seven days, and now I'm throwing once every five days. So, um, you know, it, that, and I think that helps. Falls back to the question you asked me about the weight room and that kind of stuff. You know, getting being stronger uh, allows me to be able to go out every fifth day and throw. Um, and that that jump is, is it's mental. Um, it's kind of it's just. <clears throat> just knowing that that's what you have to do and that's your job now is to go once every fifth day instead of once every seventh day or sixth day, whatever it was, um, being mentally, mentally prepared for that day and not having to worry about, Hey, I have this to do this, to do this, to do, I got homework to do and all this. It's, it's none of that. It's straight baseball related and you just dive into it.
0: Yeah. So, um, are you in a pitch count this year to start the season at all?
1: Um, like, today, like, I am I was three innings, 45 pitches. My next outing will be three innings, 50 pitches. And then I'll, I'm thinking I'll go to four, and I'll throw five innings in spring training before we go out. And then we don't get I don't think we throw any more than five innings um, in pro ball. It's basically okay. in the minus. So,
0: one. yeah, so you got, what, two more starts there in Arizona before you head out to Hillsboro? No, I'll have mm, at least four, I think. Okay, I, don't, I actually don't even know the date, but I know you guys start the season what like May seventh.
1: May fourth is our first game. At
0: first 4th. Okay. Okay. Um, okay. So the last time we spoke is a little bit before the draft, so you were still you didn't know who you're going for. I think you were still mid season for Ball State, but at the time you were throwing a fastball, slider, curveball, and changeup. I know you said earlier you throw a sinker now. Yes. Um. So what's your entire repertoire, and how has it changed since? You've got the pro ball.
1: Yeah, so I still throw a four seam, uh, curveball, slider change, and now I incorporate the sinker. Um, the difference from college to now is my change my best secondary pitch, um, and it might get taken over with the sinker. Um, it's basically the same movement patterns, but obviously the sinker is a little harder than the change up. Um, what was your full question again? I forget.
0: It was just that you basically answered it. It was just what your repertoire is now, how it's changed since, um, getting drafted. So, um, how was, how was the first actual full spring training experience for you?
1: Um, it's been good. Um, I got here, I got, I got a chance to come out a little early. Um, I got out here in March, um, worked out with some of the pitching minor league pitching coaches at, a uh, Notre Dame high school to get going and all that kind of stuff. And then the last two weeks, we all, the guys that were out here, some of the guys, um, got a chance to come into big league spring training. Um, so that that was cool to have that opportunity to be able to do that. And then now we're in minor league spring training and everything's going good. You know, this is my first full spring training.
0: Um, so it's, it's been really well. Yeah, because COVID ended it last year. What was that experience like? Could you take me through, like, getting there and then just all of a sudden just having to go back home? Yeah,
1: um, I got out here early because instructional league, it was – they put that first or it might've been strength camp. I forget which one, but um, we were out here early and then it was like, all right, we've already been out here for a month and then spring training comes and it was like a week of spring training and then COVID hit and then everyone went home. Well, I stayed out here, me and some guys stayed out here and still kind of played catch and that kind of stuff. Cause we didn't know at the time it was just like, Hey, like it might be a week. It might be two weeks. We don't know. But they sent everyone home so we stayed out here for about another month and um, figured out that this stuff's not getting any better and it's only getting worse and heard that they're shutting everything down so then I went home and then pitching coaches basically told me like hey just shut it down Um, don't still ramp it up don't be ramping up that kind of stuff Um, because we didn't know when we were coming back and when we came back, it was – if we did come back that year, we would have had a ramp up. We would have been able to ramp up a little bit. They would have had, like, another spring training kind of deal to get guys yeah. ready again because they don't want anyone just blowing out. So, um, yeah, the whole COVID thing was was rough. And But yeah. I was I was fortunate enough to be able to be a part of some of the um, instructs and, and the early – like, at the end of last year, minor league not having a season <clears> – <throat> I was able to come out with that instructional league. Um, I missed the 60-man because I got COVID. So um, that kind of jeopardized me for the 60-man. But I got to come out right after the 60-man to the instructional league, and we got to play. And I
0: got a little bit of innings under my belt there. So it wasn't terrible. Yeah, Yeah, so when did you head back to Arizona? Pardon? When did you head back to Arizona last Um, It was uh, maybe September
1: or October. September.
0: All right. All right. And then you were there for what, two, three months? I was there for
1: about a month and for instructional league and okay.
0: home. Okay. So what was your, what was your off season training schedule like this year?
1: Um, I started ramping up, throwing bullpens and that kind of stuff um, in December because everything got put, kept getting pushed back. So we didn't know when we were coming. So I started December 20th, I think was my first pin. And then okay, just ramped up from there. And then came out here in March and kept doing my bullpens with some of the guys out here, like I said earlier, and then went to big league camp, same stuff um, through to live batters, which is nice. And then got. now we're in minor league spring training and we're playing games now.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So have you gotten that chance to play, uh, to pitch at Chase Field yet? I have not. I mean, I mm-hmm. did last
1: year in instructional league, which is neat. Um that was that was pretty cool. I threw there
0: twice. Okay, and how did that go? Was that against other minor leaguers, yeah. or was that like... So it was like it was okay.
1: basically like everyone's top sixty players, um, and they just basically took top prospects of their each org, basically, and, and then we just played each other.
0: Okay, so um, so like I told you before, last time I called you, um, I want to be an agent, so of course I want to ask you a little bit of questions about your agency a little bit about the process and stuff like that so when was it that agents and advisors started reaching out to you um
1: after my freshman year was really like the first kind of like get around like going into my sophomore year um agents started coming around um meetings wise and that kind of stuff
0: okay and what was there a lot of agents that reached out to you when you played summer ball in between your freshman so i didn't
1: actually play summer ball at all in college um
0: Okay. Kind of,
1: I had some tricep problems um, going into my sophomore year, so they didn't. I I didn't play summer ball my sophomore or my freshman after my freshman year that summer,
0: and then I didn't play summer ball going into my freshman year. Okay. So what was that? What was that process of picking an agency? What put your agent on top? Um, my mine is
1: you know everything's good like with what what you're
0: gonna do for me
1: and all that but mine was more like relationship wise like who who do I see that I can have a relationship with for you know not just while I play baseball like what guy's gonna still call and text and and check up on me and still you know be that guy that is always in my corner that's always going to be able to help me throughout you know my life not just my baseball career and um that's like the main thing with me is building a a um a bond with a guy that, you know, you, you can talk to about anything and there's not going to be any judgment or any, any of that. It's it's a guy, it's a, you know, it's your friend. It's a mentor yeah. for you. And yeah. um, that yeah. that was my biggest thing. Also, I mean, you still have to look at the fact of, like, you know, what's, what's the pros and cons to this guy in the baseball realm? But the, the main thing is, is having that connection with this guy to – further further your career and then after your career who's
0: he going to be like, what's he going to be like okay and what what's your agent's name it's is it yeah, miles, miles something? okay and does he own is he like a one-man show or is he a part of a big company he, he's or, basically like a
1: like? one-man show he's got a couple guys with him um but it's it's basically just him
0: okay so, what, what were some of his best qualities that made him the, your pick?
1: Um, you know, one of the biggest qualities that I, I got from him was I'm really close with a guy named Justin Wexler. He's a White Sox scout. Um, I grew up, and he's always kind of like been around. And then I went to Mike Shirley's barn in high school, and I, and I hit and I threw my bullpens with with Wexler and and Mike. But that was his agent through when he played pro ball. So. He's the one that, or Wex is the one that reached out to me, telling me Miles was interested and asked me if it was okay if he gave Miles my phone number. And I was like, yeah. And I talked to Wexler, and he's like, man, he's a, he's a great guy. Like, he's obviously gonna fight for you, but at the end of the day, like, he he's not my agent anymore, but he still contacts me and asks me how my family is. And he, he's just a guy, he's a really good guy, and he, and he means the most. And. That really stood out to me coming from a guy that I trust a lot to talk on highly on the behalf of Miles Shota so yeah. that was like a yeah. like a dead giveaway for me and then when I talked to Miles it was like okay this dude's a genuine dude you know and, and he's going to care about me and not the money he can make off of me he's not going to be a guy that only talks to me on money related stuff um, and, and to this day it's, it's not like that he, he's he's anything it's sends me funny articles i mean he's just a he's a good guy and someone you can talk to so yeah um and, and everything that wexler said it was was true so um yeah i mean that's that's really what really sold me was the fact of what wexler was telling me about him and then when i met miles i mean his personality and what he was telling me what he wanted to do and and his his like main, main job and, and main concern and all this stuff about me. It all added up to what Wexler was
0: telling me. Yeah. So if you were to go back through that process of picking an agent and all these agents reaching out to you, what advice would you give to an agent who's like about to reach out to you? Like what stuck out to you the most out of all these guys who contacted you? Um,
1: Be normal, be able to, you know, communicate in a way of not just all professionally. Um, I I like a professional guy, but I also like to joke around. I like to have fun. So a a guy for me would have to be a guy that I can, I can talk to normal. You know, as if I'm talking to my friend, I want to be able to talk to them that way too. Yeah, And, um, that, that's like my biggest thing, but also I want someone that's going to bend over backwards for a contract that I need, you know, not someone that just say, yes, we'll take that because it's money in his pockets guaranteed. And if they say no and this and that, then. It goes, it goes on, you know. I need a guy that, that wants to yeah. fight for me because at the end of the day, if he's going to fight for, you know, it's so little of card deals. If he's going to fight and say I'm worth more than signing this card or this card, then when it comes to arbitration later on down the road, he's going to fight for that, you know, and, and that's a guy that you want. You want a guy that's going to bend over backwards for you, but at the same time you can talk to and you can communicate as a normal human being with
0: Yeah, so he got you that. He's he's gotten you a few card deals from what I've seen. Like, I know you and Ryan Pepeo were were a few guys that I followed. I've been following for a while just because you're Indiana guys, and I interviewed you guys before the draft. But I saw that you have a few card deals, like, with with autographs. What was that process like of getting those cards and signing them? Honestly, it was
1: brutal. Um, I felt like I had arthritis as I was doing. Um, Yeah. But as you're signing them, you just have to – you just say, you know – it might be a bad way to think about it but like each card you sign is worth a little bit of money and the more and more you sign there's more money that's coming to you and um it's it's not fun doing it it's really not but it's it's well worth it
0: yeah were there a lot of autograph collectors who um were like waiting for you to sign autographs back in hillsborough in 2000 yeah there's a lot
1: um they'll just stand outside the door wait for you to come out and then a lot of them will have like 10 cards, a whole page. And, you know, you just you, you want to sign them, but it's just you're tired. It's after a game. And you say, hey, man, I'm just going to sign two of them. I'm not going to sign them all. And they don't get butt hurt. They understand. Yeah. So, um,
0: yeah. yeah. I was I used to be one of those guys back in high school. I would follow all the top prospects and get cards signed, stuff like that. But um, what other type of endorsement deals that do you have? I saw that you work with uh, Mitch Gibson. I tried to do a little research on him, but I, like, how did that re- relationship so, start? Um, Mitch was, like, he's been,
1: obviously, went to my same high school. and We played a little bit. Then he went to Ball State and then ended up having some issue, not issues, but um, ended up him and his wife got, had a baby, so he stepped away from baseball. And now he is my insurance guy for all my cars. Um, well, not all of them, but a couple of my cars he's the insurance guy for. So, um... And, and we've always just been friends and now we're like really close. It's one of my best friends and um, he does some podcasts and that kind of stuff. so he's always asked me to come on him and obviously I'm gonna do it just because I mean that's that's my boy, so and we, yeah. and we can joke around and, and that kind of stuff. so um, that we've, we've just kind of grown up not together but like through my later through high school on we've we've always like grown up together we hang out when I'm at home that kind of stuff.
0: Yeah, so you say cars like how many cars are you? Well, no, I don't
1: have many anymore. I, I sold them, but um, he's got
0: two of my okay. cars. Okay, so are you like I? So I see that you post a lot of different cars. Like when you got drafted, there was a few that you posted. Are you? Uh, like a big, big car, car guy. guy. I'm,
1: I'm I'm all about buy, selling, and trading, and that's shoes. Okay. Now I guess it's carbs. That's a expensive hobby, so I kind of got away from that um, without losing any money, which is good. I bought some a stupid purchase and ended up getting all my money back out of it. So, um, I won't do that until I can comfortably, comfortably, uh, make those purchases. Yeah.
0: So is that was like shoes a way that you made a little bit of money. Yeah. So I made made a
1: pretty good amount of money on shoes. Um, and now I just kind of collect them. Um, if someone wants to buy a pair of shoes, I'm always down to sell if it's for the right price. Um, but shoes are like my like main hobby. Like that's something I really enjoy, and um, yeah, that's shoes. I mean, I have a, a crap ton of shoes
0: now. I'm into custom cleats. I like that. Yeah, I saw that. I saw. I saw you have a few guys that were like customizing, painting yeah. your cleats for you. How'd um, that start? I actually just they pulled the. They used to have a thing where like you
1: couldn't do like certain things with your cleats and in the league and that kind of stuff. So when they, when they pulled that up, I saw everyone starting to get custom cleats. And I was like, I didn't even know this was like, you were allowed to do like wear them. And then um, I was told that that, that rule went away just because all the stuff going on in the world, you want to be able to show like your personality and what you, you know, what you strongly believe in and that kind of stuff. So um, yeah. So I started making some crazy cleats and um, some Oaks like stadium stadium I think it's stadium I don't know what their stadium custom kicks or something like that I don't know um I reached out to them and I was like hey I'm just gonna send you guys two pairs of cleats do whatever you want on them because I believe like when someone when someone's putting their time and effort into something and they have their own idea in their head like it's gonna be better than than trying to go off something you want so if it's something that they've been wanting like wanting to do they're going to put more effort in it because they're going to think, like, I've been wanting to do this, you know. So that's why I did that with them. And then uh, Lucia, he's he's really good at it. And he's the one that's made my SpongeBob ones. Um, he's made a couple other ones for me. Uh, my hometown ones with the skyline of Indianapolis and the 317
0: on the back. Um, he just does really good work. Yeah. So when you're done with those cleats, do you do like giveaways for fans um, or do you keep them? Yeah, um, I'll like? probably
1: do some type of giveaway for them, um, but I haven't done any giveaways or I still have all my custom cleats. Um, I just try to, you know, there's there's people out there that like that kind of stuff. And when I find myself not, not using it, not needing it, and it's I've already played with it and all that kind of stuff, it's just like, hey, I'm, why not just give it to someone that, you know, would might put it up on a shelf or like I did a club giveaway. Yeah, And um, I wanted to be fair with it, but I also ho- wasn't hoping it would go to like, a, you know, a younger kid that would go out on the ball diamond and play with it, you know, and it, it'd be cool. Like he thinks it's like neat, but I also didn't want to, you know, rig it up to make it, make it like that. So I just went straight up with it mm-hmm. and um, a glove collector got it. So that's still pretty cool. So, um,
0: yeah, I mean, if it's not in
1: use anymore, then there's no point in, in me just letting it sit and sit somewhere when someone else could get used for it or you know it could get passed around in the world and that
0: kind of stuff. So Yeah. Yeah. So has like have you been like been given like customized gifts from fans besides the cleats? Like has there been people making bobbleheads for you?
1: Yeah
0: or just um, um just I had a one
1: made for me. Um I forget it was right when I got drafted, um not long after. Um I forget who it was from but uh, I basically just sent a pair of cleats, and he that was his thing. Like, he was like, hey, I'll do a pair of cleats and make you this. It's not even a bobblehead. It's realistically just like a, stat, a little statue, um, and okay. it's pretty cool. Um, but I gave a pair of cleats for it, and, um, yeah, now I just gave it to my mom, and
0: I don't know what she's doing with it. yeah. That's pretty cool, but um, are there any other like uh, non-baseball passions or hobbies you have besides shoes and cars? Um, not really. I mean, video games. Call yeah. Mitty. What type of video games? On PS. 5 no, I'm on five Xbox.
1: Xbox. Twink okay. spot, Twink
0: spot. That's okay. number two clan in the nation. Searching for. Okay. I- all right, I'll have to I'll have to look it into it. I don't really I don't really follow that really well. So <laughs> not I'll really the number two in the nation, but we do say that. <laughs> okay. All right. So it's a good yeah, so few guys, a bunch it's not of just you? other
1: pro guys, um, in it. We just all just get on there and play.
0: Okay. Um. Let's see. So, uh, go back to endorsements. Besides with Mitch, your your buddy. Um, is there any type of other endorsements or partnerships that you've done in the yeah, past so you have Yeah, so I'm with New right Balance
1: now? and Rawlings as well. And
0: those are, okay, those are the only other ones. And so, what's that like? So, are you getting a new Rawlings glove yeah, so, every year? Yeah, so um, I get two gloves every like?
1: year, and then um, New Balance—they just they give me basically merch money, and then um, and then they take care of all my on-field needs.
0: Okay. All right. Um, so, are you – so, you're um, a PO in your sophomore year of college. Are you going to be hitting this year in Hillsborough? Is yeah. there a DH in that league? Um, no. So, it's hit? just
1: there's a DH in the league. And then, hopefully, uh, I'm not there too long and I get moved up to the Amarillo double-A, and then once I get to double-A, we hit. Oh, yeah. Yeah.
0: So, you pumped for that?
1: I hope I hope yeah. they let me hit, not You've been pump bit, all the time, Have you been so. – Sounded to me like we're just going to be bunt.
0: Yeah. I want
1: to take some hacks, you know.
0: Yeah, well, in the National League, you'll get that shot, hopefully. I mean, hopefully they don't. Yeah, they the already Universal tried this DH. year, but they didn't pass it. So, hopefully it stays that way. Yeah. Yeah, I saw that they're doing something in the Atlantic League um, with starting pitchers, how it's like they'll take the DH out. They're, they're making start all starting kinds starting of weird changes,
1: out. I mean. In Hillsborough, where we're going to yeah. be, we can only step off twice, and if we step off a third time, it's a balk. Um, and you that's, have to disengage that's, that's so from the dumb. rubber, so like you can't do an inside move to second base anymore. You have, literally have to, in, you you have to dis, you have to like step off the back of the rubber, and it, it's it's going to be brutal. But yeah, and is that
0: in it just gets your worse league alone, going down, or is go that?
1: And it's, I mean, it's, I don't know all the rules, but um, I mean, it's. Baseball's kind of changing. It sounds to me here soon. It's they're going to be like three, two counts. You have to throw a fastball. You have to start the inning with a fastball. All that kind of stuff.
0: Oh man, I don't, I don't, I don't think they get <laughs> that bad. But like that that runner on second base for extra innings. Like I know they did that in the Midwest League in 2019, and that's just yeah so dumb. Yeah. But okay, so I got I got one last question for you. Since we've been talking a little bit about endorsements if there was one brand that you could endorse what would it be and why jordan um and, jordan. and just okay. the
1: fact of you know i've, I've grown up a sneakerhead, and jordan's are i've always been like one of the shoes that i've always loved them um, ones fours elevens um like a couple 14s but i'm a big shoe guy and and Jordan's always been my favorite shoe and I think their gear is sweet like you know Jordan shorts, their hoodies all that kind yeah. of stuff so that would definitely be an endorsement that I would love to have one day and um if I ever do get the chance I mean that would definitely be an option
0: that I would I would definitely look into yeah so how many how many of your shoes that you have would you say are Jordan compared um, to other I, brands I probably have about
1: 35 pairs of Jordans um I have about 104 right. something
0: pairs of shoes. Wow. All right. And then I guess I do have one more question for you. Like, so working with miles, has he helped you create like a personal logo um, and stuff like that? We're for you?
1: actually in the process. I want to start my own brand. Um, I want a clothing okay. brand. As um, in, I, I want, that's something I'm okay. that very interested in. Um, a guy that I've kind of talked to a little bit, Bob Minery, you've probably heard that name. Um, you know, I've been asking yeah. him some questions yeah. about, because um, I, I, he has his own brand, and, I, and I'm asking questions of, like, you know, how you started it and, and yeah. that kind of stuff. Yeah, how do um, you connect it with Bob? A long story that we're not going to get into.
0: <laughs> Funny story, but nothing bad, okay.
1: but it would take too long. All right.
0: Yeah, I mean... Like that's a big thing for me is like when I want to be an agent, like I want to help my clients help build their own businesses outside of the sport. So I love learning a lot of stuff yeah. like that. But, so,
1: yeah. So I, I'm going to pick um, his Bob's ear a little bit and uh, and see how he went about doing his uh, own logo and his brand because um, he's very successful with it. And, you know, I, I, I want to learn from guys that have that are successful with their brands and how they went about it and what they did. So.
0: Yeah. I just, I love that stuff. People taking, um, just taking advantage of the platform they have through sports or like Bob Menry like through the stuff he does online. But I think that's all I got yeah, for no you. Problem. So I thank you for coming on. And there we go. Another great episode in the books. Next week, we got three guests, Monday, it's Lucas Deck. We're going to talk a little bit about real estate, a few of the companies he started, his podcast he's done. Monday's also Jeff Duzan. We got him in here talking about the NFL draft that is next Thursday. Then we've got Tyler Alamo, former Cubs prospect. He's turned into a factory guy now. That is Friday, so that's one last Friday episode before we're going back into just one Monday episode a week. To start May, I've got former Fort Wayne Mata NBA G League guy. Um, also, he's just a pro player in general. DJ McCall, played at IUPUI for a while. Um, good dude. Then we've got my former boss, Jordan Bontrager. He was the CEO of Forward Sports Entertainment down in Phoenix, Arizona. So I'm looking forward to these next few weeks. But going back into Dre, um, just a great dude, Indiana guy. Um, went to Ball State, like, as you could hear in the podcast. But he throws 97-99. He's touched triple digits a few times, but I'm expecting him in the majors probably next season pitching in that powerhouse of the NL West. So that'll do it, and I'll catch you guys all next week.